Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. I'm here with Fra Tom Mulligan. Fra Tom, how are you doing? Oh, bonjour. Yeah, exactly. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, it's it's so uh, it's so beautiful to be here. And for those who uh, are just tuning in and don't realize what's different and why we had that French music playing at the beginning of this, is because every year. The Catholic Cafe goes on pilgrimage. We go with the Order of Malta, one of our sponsors of this program, and we go on pilgrimage to Lourdes, France, where we come here with uh, with uh, Malads and their companions, uh, and the Order of Malta, the knights and dames and volunteers and many folks that are involved in this process. And we all come together in pilgrimage to this beautiful place. Uh, and experience something profoundly spiritual that's so beautiful to be here. Uh, and so we get this wonderful opportunity for Atom to be here, and you're going to join us. I, I know many of who are listening now may think, he, did he call him Fra? What is a Fra? Well, I'm a religious brother, and I am a Knight of Malta. The Order of Malta is a religious order. It's a Catholic religious order, 900 years old. And, and you haven't been here 900 years, though. I haven't right? been here quite 900 no, just, years. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like that. But, <laughs> and so my mission is to live and work in vows within the world. Now, fra, it comes from, is it frater? Frater. Right, which is Latin for brother. Latin so you, for you, brother. you're like Brother Tom. I'm Brother Tom. Very good. And one other interesting thing, I think, to point out is that the uh, order was originally founded based around pilgrimages. Well, that's awesome. And so pilgrimages are tied to the Order of Malta and what the, exactly. the purpose of the order or the, the mission of the order all from the very beginning. And so that's what we wanted to talk about. I think our first show here in Lourdes was to talk about the concept of the pilgrimage and, and why people go on pilgrimages. So we brought in someone who had been on many pilgrimages. In fact, he's been on this show before, uh, and that's Abbot Placid Solari, and he is the abbot of Belmont Abbey in North Carolina, correct? And, and what about, um, you're also chancellor of Belmont Abbey College, That's beautiful correct. little college there. So thank you for the invitation to well, be with so, you today. Abbot, we're so happy to have you back. And so you've been, I've, in fact, the first time I really met you was from this pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. I've, I've come several times now. I think this is number six for me. And, uh, and you've always been there uh, that, that, uh, that I've experienced and uh, just a, a soothing presence. Uh, here on pilgrimage, it's always nice to have you here. I think probably we've been about the same number of times. So yeah, maybe. well, awesome. So I guess we're growing together in this this uh, uh, love of Lourdes. Um, so tell me, just from your perspective, why it's important to you. Well, I think it goes back right to the beginnings of our faith. I think the pilgrimages started out with going to the places where the martyrs had suffered or were buried. And these were holy places where people had had suffered and died for the name of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, that somehow there was a, a holiness there, and then extended, as we've heard, with the, the Knights of Malta to visiting the sites in the Holy Land. And then here at Lourdes, of course, where the, the Mother of God appeared to St. Bernadette. There's a, that's a holiness or a certain place where maybe heaven and earth come together. 
we forget sometimes too, or we, I think there's a danger we overlook our faith that's not, as the New Testament says, cleverly concocted myths. Mm. But we believe that the Son of God took on a true, real human nature and lived and walked among us and did these things in these times and places in history. And therefore, there's, a, I think, a whole aspect of reality which is hard for us as contemporary Westerners to grasp. Uh, we tend to reduce everything to almost materialism. Right. But I think the pilgrimages are feed that that aspect in ourselves, spiritual aspect of ourselves, our souls, that there's more to life than simply material creation. Yeah, and I guess uh, it's beautiful. One of the things I love about my Catholic faith is that it does, it encompasses body and soul. One whole, we, we talk right. about body and soul, but actually we're, we're both. And I think the, this aspect of pilgrimages to holy places is that yearning or longing or desire that's built in us as made in the divine image and likeness to to have that that connection or to return to that reality or to have the fullness of that reality. I mean, we'd say that sacramental worship is precisely that aspect, that this bread and this wine will be the sacramental presence of Jesus' body and blood, that as I said, he became a, a full, true human being. That uh, Lord's is, is built on the belief, obviously not a revealed truth, but that the Mother of God actually appeared here to St. Bernadette. And you might ask, well, why here? Why Bernadette? Mm. Bernadette, but why not? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a good some, point. Yeah, sometimes our theology yes. is, is profoundly simple, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the first time that I showed up here, I instantly knew once I walked down to the domain, which is the area that surrounds the grotto where where Mary appeared. And you know that there's something different. I mean, you know, you sense something. And I guess this is what those early pilgrims, what you were referring to earlier, earlier about places where people had been martyred or, or just beautiful, awesome, spectacular things uh, had happened. People go on pilgrimages for all kinds of reasons, some better, maybe some worse, but that as- aspect that... Something special is connected with this place. As I said, almost like heaven has touched earth uniquely here. But you talk about the peace that's there, and I think people, it's almost palpable. You experience that. Mm. And I suspect it may be connected with their places of prayer. And we you know, we pray, we talk about prayer, but these these pilgrimage sites or places really bring it forefront in our mind that this is something where we are speaking to God, uh, that this is real, uh, that it's true, and that they're, they're in the whole mystery of prayer that this is something that's efficacious, that's, that's powerful. And you can get a sense of that in these places, of really profound peace. You know, it's interesting. I went in college, I studied communications, and we talked about film and all that kind of stuff. And you realize how much we live in a mediated environment where I, I don't know if you remember the the old uh, uh, Time magazine commercial used to like time flies and you are there time cries and you are there as if you were there because you read about it or saw pictures. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a there's a beautiful aspect of I'm not saying people shouldn't read or listen or watch movies or listen to radio or whatever. We wouldn't have a very good radio program. Right. If people didn't listen. But but the reality is there is something about being there. That when you when you are there, it's such a beautiful and special, I guess, adventure. But really, just something that you can pour yourself into spiritually when you're present there, and then you sense 
something so special. And it actually, um, it sort of takes you in and then can even in a very positive way transform you, um, uh, transform your spirit and your, your physicality, uh, not in some kind of weird, uh, 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 you know, uh, Eastern spirituality or something where we, you know, meditate and all that kind of stuff. But, but there is something beautiful that happens to you when you come to a place like this. Well, that's, I guess, what I was wanted to talk about when we talk about our faith, that there's one mediator between God and the human race, Jesus Christ, who was mediator precisely because through the Blessed Virgin Mary, took on uh, full humanity uh, and therefore made God present in ways that we humans with our limited abilities could could see, touch, and hear the words of God and the presence of God and, again, continue in the sacraments. And I think that's the unique advantage of, of pilgrimages to a site where the martyrs were buried or where they suffered or to the Holy Land or to places such as Lourdes or Fatima or Guadalupe, Um, different from a retreat or different from day of recollection or reflection. It's you make some effort to get there, and particularly this this Jubilee year of mercy, Pope Francis has called for pilgrimages to to Rome and then has extended that by the the holy doors and all the dioceses to to actually go somewhere because we're all on a journey. Mm. Uh, The pilgrim church we talked about is on its journey towards its its final rest and its its homeland in heaven. So to actually have to undergo some type of preparation, whether spiritual and physical, they go together, to travel somewhere and then to go to this, this place that has a meaning for us, that's a, an actual physical location, is what I think reminds us or is interwe- interwoven with that Aspect of the mediator between God and the human race, Jesus Christ, and his humanity. Beautiful. Word. Yes. We have more to talk about, about pilgrimages, about pilgrimages, and being here, especially in Lourdes. Um, we're with Abbot Placid Solari from Belmont Abbey, uh, and also Fra Tom Mulligan, and I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're going to be back in just a second. Uh, and before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, which is thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And Lord willing, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. The relationship between monastery brew houses and the act of Christian hospitality has nestled a special place in Catholic culture for centuries. As monastic life began to take shape across Europe, the art of hospitality and its connection to monastery living took deep root. Before the modern era of roadside inns, travelers used the network of monasteries as way stations between their destinations. Monastic hospitality directed the monks to care for these travelers. The monastic rule of St. Benedict says, Let everyone that comes be received as Christ. The monks abided by this teaching, and each monastery became known for its hospitality and its own unique brand of ale or beer, which was served to thirsty visitors. The work of the monastery was integral to the spiritual life of the monks. Many monasteries were self-sustaining operations with vast tracts of land. The monastic communities relied on the land to provide sustenance for their community. 
Operating the monastery took hard work and required daily labor from the monks. To sustain themselves, especially during periods of fast, the monks would brew heavy beers and ales. By drinking these fermented concoctions, they were able to stay faithful to their fast, but also able to sustain the energy levels needed for the hard work. Beer was considered liquid bread at the time and enjoyed for its many nutritional properties. As time went on and monasteries became centers of learning and laboratories for science, the monks used their education to perfect the brewing art. They were able to improve production practices and provide this special drink, not only for their own communities, but the villages around them. One particular order of monks, called the Trappist, had become famous all over the world for their beers and ales. The Trappist order was founded in the Cistercian Monastery of La Trappe, France. The founder of the order felt that the Cistercian order as a whole was becoming too lax. He instituted strict new rules, and one of the core tenets of the order was that each monastery was to be self-sustaining. The Trappist monks looked to the brew houses that already existed within their walls and began brewing beers and ales for sale to the public. Some of these Trappist monasteries are still brewing beers and ales that can be found at your local grocery store. They are considered to be some of the highest quality and most robust and flavorful ales and beers in production today. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth, made ever so more luxurious by the Cafe Olay. Uh, the croissants that are in abundance here in Lourdes, France, uh, here uh, with uh, Fra Tom Mulligan. How are you doing? Very well. Uh, yes, yeah, Adjusting to the time, and I think that Yeah, it's, the, the, the jet lag and whatnot. Uh, that's right. You get that first good night's sleep, and everything is, I think, a lot better once that happens. And then you kind of get on the clock here. And we get on to the clock. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're here with Abbot Placid Solari, and we are talking about the concept of pilgrimage, because we're on one. Uh, and so I know folks are probably listening, Abbott, who are thinking, you know, it's kind of a nice tour. Or you see all these sites and you go into the gift shop and find yourself a nice little memento of the occasion. And maybe you read a few books or hear some interesting stories. But really, it's much more than that, isn't it, when you go on pilgrimage? One of the important things of pilgrimages is that we actually set time aside to focus on the realities of our faith. Because we can quite understandably get caught up in the demands of everyday life and the cares of everyday life, and they are certainly where we live out our faith. But to put time aside is a statement that this is important and that I need that, that renewal in, order, in the ordinary things of life to be faithful to what God asks me to do. I want to interrupt you there because you just said something profound. I know you probably didn't think you did, but I think he did. Uh, I, I like Abbott Plessy. He's always saying profound things and then saying, did I say that? I wasn't sure I said that. But you just talked about putting time aside. And, and if I know there's any challenge, especially for folks who have everyday lives, they've got kids, they've got mortgages, they've got dogs, they've got TVs, they've got to pay this bill, that bill, and uh, we, we have jobs, we have all these things that we're doing. And really you start to realize that where you spend your treasure, whether it's the treasure of time, where you put, pour yourself into, that's what's important to you. And so when you're, what you're saying here is that if you're going to carve out some time, that, that shows that you have a desire. 
That's what you're investing in, I guess. Well, as you say, the way we spend our time is an indication of our practical priorities. And I think we've been sent, unless you have the good fortune to live in a monastery, as some few mm-hmm. of us might, that you've been sent to live the faith in the midst of a busy world and to bear witness to that, but that can be difficult. Right. And we can lose our focus. And I think that that time put aside is an indication that my relationship with God and to take time to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit is is absolute, absolutely essential if I'm going to live with integrity this faith and the demands of an increasingly secular society and can witness to that in a way that is both appropriate and also inviting and open to, to others who don't share that faith. So this, this time aside, the effort in times, if you actually go on a physical pilgrimage, to, you have to put time aside, you have to make arrangements for the dog and the house mm-hmm. and the bills and everything. You have to actually go somewhere that's not at home and perhaps, right. depending on where you go, a little bit out of your comfort zone. But all of this is a statement of this is important, this is a priority, and tends to focus our attention. And by taking us out of the ordinary routine of our daily life, perhaps opens the space for prayer. Mm, beautiful. And so this is really, it essentially is an, an investment, and not to make it a financial aspect, but essentially you're, you're putting yourself into something. And what's so good is this is a good investment, because good things happen when you go on pilgrimage. And the unexpected good things happen, I think. You, you never know, of course, you never know what's going to happen. But I think the very fact that someone is generous enough to put aside time to make the investment of whether it's time or energy or whatever to, mm-hmm. to go on the pilgrimage, God's not going to be outdone in generosity. Oh, amen. And by opening that space in our life, it at times allows us to, to simply hear a message of God's love, which we can sometimes forget in the setbacks and the challenges and the disappointments of life. You know, and that, that's, that's interesting, too, because to hear God, to hear his generosity, to hear him speak, to hear him, it's so hard for us sometimes, when we, especially when we don't set aside time, but to, to listen. We, we're, uh, as busy people, we tend not to listen, and so we tend to talk mostly, right? Talk, or aren't we looking at our electronic devices, and right. some of us right. are so um, engaged with the iPhone or the iPad or the computer, and to the point where we even see people that they can't even communicate within their own families or mm. when they're in a restaurant, how sad it is. So you're talking about making a commitment to making a change, even if it's only for a short period of time. But the, uh, the benefits are just amazing. Well, let's talk about those benefits. You know, Abbott Placid, what, what does a person expect when, when they come? You said unexpected things. Um, but can they expect something good to happen? I mean, is, maybe they don't know what it is, but what kinds of things do you, you've been on many pilgrimages? You've been on this particular one several times, and you see some really beautiful things that go on here. I think the most impressive thing that I've heard from the pilgrimage, uh, pilgrims here to Lourdes is peace. Mm. That in very many ways, different people have spoken about uh, that Various issues in their life were not necessarily resolved, but they were able to accept them. That this somehow wasn't outside of God's providence or care or love. And again, coming particularly to Lourdes, if, well, the, the Bible tells us that we are to become partakers of God's own nature, and that first and foremost of all is with the Mother of God. And in asking why here, in the sense 
Mary now among the saints, first among the saints, is partaking in God's life and is sent as a sign of God's mercy. And that, in a unique way, I think, opens us to that and to the fact that all the saints participate in that, and some of them we've known and lived with. Uh, they can be our, our grandparents, our parents, our relatives. We've, we've known people who are holy people. Mm. And although they may not be canonized, uh, that they, they share in God's life fully. Um, and these are living, breathing people we knew, not, not stories of people who lived centuries ago. And I think that particularly at Lourdes, it opens us to that, that the mother of God who gave birth to Jesus of Nazareth 2,000 years ago was here. Uh, and showed herself uh, living in glory to St. Bernadette. Amen. And I love the idea of peace. We, we, we yearn for peace. Now, a lot of people are always asking for things. They want to win the lottery. They want to have this house. They want to accomplish this. They want to own that. They, a lot of people, they have these goals, right, they want to attain. And, and I think a lot of times people forget that uh, that really the answer to all things is peace, essentially, which is essentially the fertile ground for hope. Uh, you think about the, the very first time that I really profoundly understood what peace really was, was when you're reading um, uh, in, in the Bible, you read about the, the apostles gathered in the upper room when their life, their world had been turned upside down and their, their savior, the guy that they'd been falling around had been crucified and died. And they're like, what's, and their people are coming after them. And they're locked in that room. And then they see Jesus and, and you think, okay, so this is an important moment in history. And so Jesus probably thought, well, what is it that they need to know right now? What is the very first words out of his mouth are peace be with you. And so really, I think that most people are yearning for that peace. It's what we really need, especially in the, in the difficult times. And you're saying that pilgrimage is an opportunity to experience that peace, to, to be able to have that hope and that sense that everything's going to be okay. You know, that's, that's tough. Well, that peace, uh, I would, that's a beautiful story in the end of John's Gospel there. And, of course, we're reading it in these Easter, Easter days that Jesus truly is risen from the dead mm-hmm. in his human body. And, therefore, all will be well. And we, we sometimes lose that perspective uh, that even... Even death, all will be well. Right. That he's going to accompany us through that because he himself has experienced it. And it's at that same passage there from John's Gospel that he also tells the disciples, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And we've been sent to, to try to bring that peace to the world. Uh, but in order to do that, we have to be open to the source of that peace, and I think that's what pilgrimages do. They set aside that time. They bring us to a place where in some way heaven and earth have been united in a unique way and open us to that faith that, in fact, Jesus is raised from the dead truly, and therefore all will be well Mm. in ways that we don't imagine and in ways that may entail suffering, but all will be well. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you, you know, you get a sense of that when you show up here. Right? And, you, you just experience that, and all of a sudden you feel... It's like you get a big hug from your mother. I mean, that's, that's kind of neat. Especially. The, I'm sorry, I was just going to say the interesting thing is, is that we bring this home with us. Mm-hmm. And people say, um, you were changed. Yeah. And I think that, that that to me is maybe we bring home a grace, that, um, and we ask for that grace while we're here. 
to better understand what it is that we are supposed to do when we return. Abbott, what about those folks who might not be able to, they're, they're listening to this going, I want to go on pilgrimage. Now they're making me want to go on pilgrimage somewhere, but I don't have the financial means. I don't have the physical means. Perhaps I'm confined to a wheelchair or, or, or some other kind of inhibiting factor. I've got kids that can't be left alone or whatever. What about those folks? How can they, you talked earlier about maybe setting aside some time, how can they experience the concept of pilgrimage in their life and maybe not have to go to Lourdes or go somewhere else? Especially in this holy year where Pope Francis has authorized all the bishops to to designate both the cathedral church and other churches in the diocese, this is a unique opportunity this year to make that pilgrimage, to prepare oneself by prayer, the sacraments, confession, Eucharist, and to actually make the arrangements to go and visit one of the pilgrimage churches in the diocese. And right, right around the corner right from you. Very easily done. We have holy places in the United States. We mm-hmm. have the shrines of saints in the United States. Or also one that would we can all do fairly easily is to visit the graves of our loved ones on right. All Souls Day. Yeah, uh, just going to a cemetery. Celebrate All Saints and All Souls Day. Because, again, the Blessed Virgin Mary is among the saints, and we believe that those who've gone before us and who've died in the peace of Christ will one day, if not already, be numbered among the saints. And that also is a pilgrimage to go and pray and remember that we're part of that that great cloud of witnesses that the letter to the Hebrews talks about. We're not alone in this. That's awesome. And having been sent into this time and place, which sometimes seems discouraging perhaps, those who've gone before us, were faithful in their time and place. And we ask their help, their prayers, their intercession, and their example. That's beautiful. Abbot Placid Solari, Abbot of Belmont Abbey and the Chancellor of Belmont Abbey College. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for the invitation to join you at the cafe. So I'll tell you what, since we're here and our Blessed Mother showed up here, we're going to honor her with a little prayer to her and ask for her intercession for our families and for our friends back home and really for our own spiritual well-being as we are on pilgrimage. Can we do that? Well, one of my favorite prayers to the Blessed Mother is a memorari. Is that good? Let's do that one. Remember our most gracious Virgin Mary. That never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, our Mother, to thee and come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.